0: Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elkman.
1: We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related.
0: All from different perspectives. But today, our focused discussion of the week is social hacks.
1: But first, let's dive into our top topic of the week.
0: All right, all right, good stuff. So, Molly, we have been talking internally um, about something really that just came out really uh, last week and it's Netflix's Netflix's. That's not a word. It's right. <laughs> it's uh, we'll just go with it uh, with Netflix, new film that they just put pushed out called the great hack. And uh, the great hack is all really all about the Cambridge Analytica scandal um, and how Facebook was a part of that and, and how important data is. And so really that's what we're going to talk about the first half, the first segment of our show. And then we're going to dive into with our social media team. And so about once or twice a month, we're going to bring in our social media team. We call them the social corner and we'll find out a little bit more later about why we call them the social corner, a little funny story there. Um, And they're going to come in and talk about best practices and really kind of break down the ins and outs of social media in general. So we'll be bringing them once or twice a month in uh, on episodes But we're just going to sit here and talk a little bit about the movie, The Great Hack, and kind of what our takeaways were from it and how that maybe correlates into some recent changes that we're seeing um, across social media platforms. So, Molly, you you go first.
1: Yeah, so I think we both had a reaction to this documentary. Um, My reaction, I think I took it more to heart, and I took it kind of personally. I think, um, you know, sometimes advertisers and marketers – you know, we get a bad rep. It's like we're trying to persuade or manipulate in some way. Um, and for me, this like triggered something when I was watching the great hack, it kind of, you know, triggered something about how thin that line is between marketing and manipulating. And I think data is so valuable. And we have gotten to a point where that is, the commodity is people's data because we want to personalize any type of buying experience. And that includes housing. And I think a lot of the changes that we're seeing on social media that we're going to talk about with the social corner are quite frankly, directly um, in response to what happened and what's documented in this um, specific documentary, The Great Hack.
0: No, I think, you know, I know when you and I were talking about it, we actually had an internal discussion about this as as a team uh, and we were kind of, my take was, and it was a little different than yours. I had saw, I saw the preview for it maybe a week or two before they released it. And my initial thought was, Oh my gosh, this is going to be bad. Like this is going to be on like headline news, you know, once this thing releases, this is just, it's going to have like a public outcry of what have you been doing with our data um, so I actually thought it went a lot better than what I anticipated going in. Uh, I was really expecting some bad stuff, but it it there was some insights there. It wasn't anything for me that was shocking or surprising because, I, you know, the Cambridge Analytica scandal really came out about a little over a year ago. And I think it's kind of more old, old hat there as far as that. It's not like news breaking, but you did get to see some behind the scenes stuff. You did get to see how... They, this company, Cambridge Analytica, um, was involved with the marketing manipulation of political campaigns from the U.S. election to, uh, to um, Brexit, right? And, and just how it, they actually referred to in the film, they actually referred to it as – Weaponized information, like it was, they were turning it into a weapon, and how people were utilizing it to manipulate the thought process of things, and that was the big one of the biggest takeaways for me.
1: Yeah, and they were using military tactics to persuade people based on these five thousand plus data points that they had on on individual people, which. For me, I've never thought of data in a way of truly manipulating using fear. And we talk about emotions so much. I mean, if you've ever heard me speak, it's always about how marketing is emotional and buying a home is emotional. And we always try to tap into those emotions. But then when you use fear and you use, um, you know, you identify people who are more persuadable based on their activity online and, and even their messages. I mean, there was definitely some illegal activity. For me, why this resonated more uh, than just reading about it previously is it really showed you the people behind it. And it really followed one person in particular. And in our discussion here at group two, you know, we kind of talked about she's kind of in some ways the hero of the film, but she's also not likable. And the film does not try to make you like her. What it really does, you you see this line of um, ethical and unethical and kind of where that gets crossed and what that looks like in human form. So it is, if anything, it's more fascinating um, just to see that, you know, all these data points really um, can be used. And I think, I do think there will be changes in the future about how data is used. And I think it will affect our industry. We're already seeing it affect our industry with social media targeting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of Clarify a couple of things that you said in case you in case if you're listening, you haven't seen the film. So Cambridge Analytica was essentially a marketing firm, a digital marketing firm in uh, Europe, and they claimed to have. 5,000 data points on every U S citizen is what they said. And well, and uh, obviously they're referring to people that are tied into Facebook specifically. And how did they collect that data? Well, they collected it through all the crazy, silly quizzes and personality tests and all the. it it was like running rampant there for a while. Everybody was, you know, we, what was it? the, The face app that everybody was using and sharing all their info recently but you you know rewind a year and a half or 2 years ago around the 2016 uh, election time that stuff was running rampant people were taking personality profiles all these little quizzes like you know what color are you if you were a color and you know they were collecting people were just going in and clicking yes i agree and it was telling you basically hey we're taking all your information um and nobody read the terms and conditions before they actually started so technically they didn't break any laws like nobody's going to jail. They did break the Facebook's terms and conditions. So as Cambridge Analytica, as a Facebook partner, they did break Facebook's terms and conditions uh, when it comes to how you were going to get data, storing the data and using the data. So they, they were essentially going out, scraping profiles uh, and pulling in all this information because people were going in and clicking, yeah, I want to take this quiz or I want to know what type of bird I would be if I were a bird, and that's how they were. (laughs) That's how they were collecting this information, and so uh, that that's really kind of the backstory of how they they said that they got the information, and they were marketing the fact to that. You know, it always it goes back to like they started working with the Ted Cruz campaign, and then it transitioned into the Trump campaign, and not to get political because this isn't a political stance. But at one point, I think they said the Trump campaign was it. I think it was the Trump campaign. I, I don't want to misquote this, but somebody was spending a million dollars a day, a day on Facebook ads because they were so, so highly targeted. I think that's that's that was the big shocker. 000, 000 a million bucks a day. Yeah, and
1: we did talk. Um, this documentary was from one perspective, and we are not naive enough to think that. You know, that doesn't happen on all sides of a political campaign. Um, That was the example in this documentary. Um, But thank you for clarifying, because I did think that there was a legal activity, and and I'm I'm glad that you clarified that. I think for me, it was so overly unethical that it felt like that can't be legal. And in particular, one aspect of it, which is, um, you know, in Britain, they're saying it's actually not possible to have a fair election anymore because of all this data that's available. Because what can happen is you can identify the people who are, can be persuaded and put content in front of them that they don't know is marketing. So they're seeing content that is essentially what we've all been yelling about, which is fake news. And how do you control which news is real and which news isn't real? And I think My big takeaway is that as human beings, we all need to be aware of what information we're consuming, making sure that we are not just following one source of information, that we do have a full picture on the information that we're getting. And quite frankly, it's what this podcast is all about. It's getting different perspectives. And you know, I think about the people who tell me, oh, well, I didn't like what so-and-so posted, so I defriended them. No, you I, that's really not the right way to handle it in my, in my viewpoint, because you need to know what information they're consuming, even if you de- disagree with them. So I think having a broad perspective and really understanding that we are all persuaded by what we consume, what we see, what we hear, every single one of us. And it's it's just very interesting to see how deep that can go.
0: I agree. And you said something very early in that you're talking about how it was manipulation of, of, of that from a marketing perspective and, you know, the, and creating fear. And there's two things that speak to that. We can talk, talk a little bit more about it. So in, in my eyes, the definition of a sale is the transfer of emotion from one person to the next. Right, And so that can either be a positive emotion or a bad emotion. And back in my builder days managing sales, I, one of the things I would always talk to the salespeople about is, listen, a sales made every time a customer walks in the door. You're either selling them or they're selling you. Now, if, you're, if your attitude is bad for the day, like you had a bad day, this is like not having a bad attitude as a person, but you've had a bad day. And the importance of shaking that off as you walk in the door because if you're going to sell them something, you're selling them your emotion. And so you're either selling them uh, some bad emotion or some positive emotion. But that is the sale, the transfer of one of emotion from one person to the next. And then but that's actually what sales and marketing is all about. And in utilizing FOMO, right, fear of missing out on something. That's how we create urgency. But you get in the the line, you f- try to find the line of, is it you're trying to, I don't like to use the word manipulate, because I think when you get on the ethical side of it, it's convincing. But when you cross the line, it's called manipulation. Because if you find out a friend of yours or somebody else you know or work with has been manipulating you, then you're pissed, <laughs> right? But if you just get convinced of something because someone's so passionate and they convinced you to see their side or convinced you to do something else or buy this product, I think that's a whole different perspective. For me,
1: I use the word manipulation only because of how the content was presented. So it wasn't presented as advertising or it wasn't presented in a way where someone knew they were learning about content, like learning about whatever it it was, it was presented in a way where they thought they were seeing news and information and they didn't know that they were being served specific data um, in order to persuade them to change their vote and change the outcome of an election. And that they had been identified as someone who, you know, wasn't quite sure on who they were going to vote for. So to me, that's the, that's the only reason I use that word is just because it really was presented as organic content that wasn't actually organic.
0: And I agree with you because I think what they did was manipulation. It did cross the ethical line. And, and that's where you try to find the right line of, okay, what's just pure sales and marketing? And then what is social manipulation? Totally.
1: Yeah, so, it's really fascinating. And, you know, I think, you know, when they use the term weaponized data, that's when I was like, oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah. Red, red flags going up left and right there.
1: But one of the things that we talked about when we all met here at at the agency to discuss it is all of us. Knowing, even like having all this information, all of us would give up our data for convenience because we prefer to have a convenient life. So, yeah, there are rules and conditions anytime you log into anything. And all of us want a more convenient life. I personally love getting served ads that are targeted to me. We talked on our last podcast about, you know, an ad with your specific shoe size. We love that. Um, It's more about the availability to know how you're being targeted and whether or not an individual owns their data points and are able to see them. So you actually, one of the things that most of us did here at Group 2 is, on your Facebook page, you can actually go into your settings and see exactly how you're being targeted. And it's really fun and funny. So if you've never done that, do it. Um, It's right in your settings and you can go in and see exactly which companies have your information and what likes and interests you're being targeted based on. And you are actually in control of your data. So I think um, that's a fun little exercise for people to do after they listen today.
0: Yeah, you can also go in and talking about those settings, you can also go in and see not just how, well, it is how your data is being used, but you can also go see where your data has been manually uploaded into Facebook. And so for me, one of the things that I saw that I was completely blown away with was I looked in, I was like, all right, yeah, who's uploaded data about me? And it was all these car – I had this giant list of car dealerships in markets that I've never been and have never lived, have never visited, ever, ever. And when you start trying to go down the rabbit hole, you go, okay, I went to this Ford dealership, and this Ford dealership is tied into a network. If I go to the one in Raleigh, it's tied into a network throughout other dealerships across the country. And so I've seen this when I go travels anywhere, whether it's for uh, personal or whether it's for going to visit builders. Um, I'll get on, you know, soon as almost sometimes soon as I get off the airplane and take my phone out of airplane mode, you, you know, you get on social or whatever. You start getting fed ads and I'll start getting fed car dealership ads for a BMW dealership or a Ford dealership or whatever in a market that I've never been at, been in before. And it's because I visited a dealership and then they were tied into this network. And then that really kind of gets into the conversation of I gave, you know, like what line is too far because I gave you, you know, this car dealership in Raleigh, North Carolina, my information because I wanted to test drive this car, but then you shared it across a network of places that I've never been. And now I get personalized marketing data when I hit a market or see something. And so I've gone, I was going in there and removing myself from all of that, but that was really surprising.
1: Well, I think that's the key: is you are able to remove yourself from it. Now, from a marketing standpoint, I actually think it's hysterical because I log in there and I see myself on some of these lists, and I I feel bad for them. I said, "Oh, poor you! You bought a bad list <laughs> because I shouldn't be on your list." So, from a marketing standpoint, I just yeah. see dollars wasted for these people who have me on a list that I would never ever be a customer of whatever it is they're selling. So, um, for our list. Listeners who are in sales and marketing, it is really, really interesting to see. And, you know, data and personalized shopping experiences, this is all um, gonna grow and advance and change and continue to change everything that we're doing every day. So we'll continue to talk about this topic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We we could talk about this forever um, because it's 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 like the never-ending rabbit hole of information and and topics. But for time purposes we we're going to stop right here on our top topic of the week and then we're going to or I should say we're going to we're going to stop here on the top topics and then we're going to dive into our discussion of the week with social hacks so we're going to bring our social corner in our social media team and discover What are some of the hacks that are out there what are some of the best practices and things that they see all across the country working with only home builders and share some of those insights so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to dive into our focus discussion of the week social hacks we'll be right back All right, and we are back from our break, and we are going to dive right into our focus discussion of the week, which is social hacks. But today, we're going to actually be introducing a brand new segment that we're going to be bringing in at least once a month, and we're calling this segment The Social Corner. And what is the Social Corner? Well, the Social Corner is an, our entire social media department, and they do everything, all the ins and outs of, of all of our clients and our social media, and uh, we're going to bring them in and talk with them today about uh, social hacks, and let's start by introducing everybody. So, Chelsea, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Social Corner and who everyone is?
2: Sure. We're so excited to be here on this podcast today. I am Chelsea Keenan. I am the social media director at Group 2, and I'm here with Victoria Bach.
3: Hi. Um, and go ahead. Hi. So I'm the social media specialist, and I'm working day in, day out with all of our clients.
2: And also Dan Cheve from The Social Corner.
4: Hey, guys. Dan Chief here. You're a social media specialist and here to help you out with social media day to day.
2: So this a little bit about the social media corner. We call ourselves the social media corner because we sit together in the corner of our office, the three of us, but we love it because we're always able to turn around to each other. We are very social people in general, and so we always get the opportunity to talk about what's going on in social media, what's going on with our builders on social media and bounce around a bunch of different ideas. So everyone kind of made fun of us and said, ah, the social corner, because we talk all the time about social media, but it just kind of stuck. And it's now our whole persona.
0: And you're literally in a corner.
2: Literally in a corner. We take up three of the four walls within a corner.
0: That's we'll right. To That's right. Here just yes. so to see.
3: <laughs> we'll
1: take yeah. a picture in
0: there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we're really happy to have you guys on. We want to talk to you about everything that you deal with on a daily basis and everything from strategy to things that we should know. Um, I would love to start with what is a question that you get most often from home builders about social media marketing?
2: Hmm a question we get most often a lot of times is what social media platforms should we be on because that's that's the basis where should i show up and we do three main platforms that we say these are your top 3 what you should focus on and that's facebook instagram and linkedin A lot of builders then come back and say, well, what about Twitter? I love looking at Twitter. I love all the news updates on Twitter. It's fantastic that you love Twitter, but (laughs) guess who doesn't really want to read about you on Twitter, your buyers. And that's who's looking at you and that's who's following you on social media. So really take your efforts and put them towards that big three and leave, let Twitter fly away.
0: It's, it's obviously every, every platform has its own individual best uses and Twitter's great for live events and for news. It's just not great for home builder, right? Right. Not our industry.
2: And this is what we do all day, every day. We only work with home builders on social media. So we used to do Twitter, but it just didn't, we found that there was no return back to the website.
1: So, and that's where we want to drive people. Very good. So we just talked about the great hack and I want to know Uh what you guys think about data and how data is being used. I know that guidelines are always changing and this is something that affects you every single day and what you're doing um, with ads and and all of that. So what do you guys think about it?
3: Absolutely. So data, I mean, in the social corner, especially is our best friend, we love being able to target people on such a specific um, basis and Recently, Facebook has taken away a lot of our options um, and coming moving forward, we won't be able to target a lot of people based on um, income, or we can't do that now, um, age, gender. So that's kind of an issue, but data really is here to help. It's our friend. It's how we reach the specific audience that we want to target.
0: Dan, how about you?
4: You know, totally agree with that. You know, with Facebook taking a lot of retarding parameters now, you know, we really had to think about how could we defeat that and improve upon our current strategies. You know, we we talk about, you know, talking to our clients about getting their email lists. Oh, yeah. That's important for retargeting. You know, Mm -hmm. who visited you already? Who do you have emails of? Give us those lists. We can target them again. So that's something we're pushing towards the future, you know, getting those lists and hitting them back on Facebook. Just because, you know, we can't get those specifics and targeting. Yeah. You know, if you got those, you got the data for us already, let us have it and we can hit them with it.
3: Absolutely.
0: And, and this is a a great, a great thing to talk about is really as, as Facebook and social media in general, but specifically Facebook kind of tying into the the whole, the great hack, the, the, the film that Netflix just pushed out. um, But really we have to. Use and utilize Facebook's AI algorithm a lot more. and we actually just wrote a blog about this. and by the time this actually air quotes airs, <laughs> uh, that that blog will be live so you can go read more about it as well. but really utilizing the face Facebook's AI and and, and making sure that that we're that Facebook is letting us get in front of the right people. so what do you what do you guys think?
2: I've been saying. Facebook's not stupid. They're not a dumb company. And they want to keep as many people active on on their platform as possible. And with these new rules, if they didn't make their AI strong enough to rule out the people that they know won't interact with housing housing ads that go out, there we would be inundated everybody within from 18 to 65 plus your entire news feed would just become um jobs credit cards and housing and Facebook's not going to do that because then 18 year olds would just leave they want to go on there and find I don't know clothes whatever 18 year olds (laughs) like these days I don't know but they're not buying a house and Facebook knows that so they're going to curate specific news feeds um, the way that they know people are going to interact with them. And so while we have this broad um, age targeting now and we don't really have a lot of options to cut down, we're really just trusting that in Facebook's AI, knowing that they're not going to risk losing an entire age generation, age group of visitors to their social platform just because they got sued a little bit, a lot, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and when you, and honestly, when you say we have to trust, the, the reality is, is we've actually been, as a group, yeah. we've been testing using Facebook's AI for a while now. And so it's the old saying, trust, but verify. And and that's really what we did. We trusted, now we verified that, uh, that it is working, that it's, and we're actually finding, well, you tell us what are we finding in those results from all the data that, you know, and all the testing that we've done focusing on the AI.
2: Yeah. So for a couple months since the, since Facebook had released, this is what we're going to do. This is how advertising is going to change for housing. We said, you know what, let's not be surprised by it when it actually comes out. Let's test it with a couple of builders across different, uh, Places. So we have uh, like different data to pull from. And we tested the age. We tested doing more than 15 miles radius. And we haven't really found any difference in the actual data of people coming through to the website and spending time on site. Maybe there were a couple more clicks to the website and time went down a second, but it's nothing significant. Also, a lot of That has to do with changing the messaging and changing the way you're advertising. So like the great hack has not done, being extremely transparent in what you're selling and people aren't going to click on things they're not interested in. And so we make it very clear with great ad messaging and creative that we are selling homes. And if you'd like a home, come to us. Mm So, yeah, I think yeah.
1: I think historically home builders have undervalued social media because they don't necessarily understand the return from it and how important it is for the process to show up where buyers are. And I think we've seen more recently uh, with through analytics that that is completely false. And yeah. and we are you are able to get in front of your audience on social media. So can you talk a little bit more about that and how we're driving people to the websites?
3: I think Facebook is great for two things. It's great for reaching a super general, top of the funnel audience, like very broad targeting you can um, choose from and you can reach all new people and drive them to your website. And also it's great for retargeting. So you can have your pixel, you can have those lists that Dan talked about and you can kind of hit your um, your website visitors with like the same messaging, like, oh, come back and view this home, come back and see this movement ready home, it's available now, like all those things. So. Great for general targeting, great for retargeting.
4: And at group two, you know, we usually use a multifaceted approach. You know, we're not going to hit you on social. We're going to hit you with the Google ads as well and email. So we're really trying to keep your brand top of mind, whether you're on social media, if you're browsing on Google, your brand will be there in front of the customer. So it's not just social, it's not just digital, it's both and a multifaceted approach.
0: Yeah, and... I think, too, when we're talking about um, when you're talking about that, Vicky, is really what you're talking about doing within within social media itself is creating its own your own marketing funnel. Right. So you're starting at the top of the funnel with with general questions about you know, you're coming across something in some general engagement. And then as you start to come down that funnel where you're starting to talk about remarketing to people, bringing them back to your site or interacting with them, making them interact with something again that they've interacted with before or something new, bringing them further down that funnel into much more of intent based search. So now instead of just being brand recognition, now they're coming further down that funnel into much more of an intent based search. And do you guys find looking through all the builder data that we have that 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 social media in general, I feel like, and you guys can confirm this, it, it doesn't always get the credit that it deserves because it's it really focuses in on top and middle of funnel mm-hmm. and not necessarily the bottom where it's actually spitting out the physical lead and the and the physical sale.
2: As the social media corner, I declare that Correct.
1: (laughs)
0: Social
2: media does not get enough credit for the actual conversions that it can lead to. We've found with collection ads specifically that we're using, and these can be top of these can be to top of the funnel audiences or to middle of the funnel or to bottom of the funnel. We've found even with new audiences, with collection ads, you're sending them exactly where they are looking to go. So you can send them to an available homes page. You can send them to a community page. You can just send them to about us pages. And from there, they'll go to your website, explore. But on the back end, we see direct conversions from collection ads specifically. So we've checked with the call now conversions and text or fill out a contact form and they've come directly from collection ads. But also you have to keep in mind that those direct conversions aren't the only conversions that are happening there. People are finding you in so many different areas, mainly social media first sometimes, and then they'll go back to your website. Um, they can go back to you from a Google ad. They can just remember your name and type you in to your to their Google browser and go directly to your website and then fill out a contact form. But another thing that we found is that, yes, a lot of people fill out a contact form right away within that same day. The second largest group of people fill out a contact form within 60 to 90 days after they first found out about you. So they could learn about you top of the funnel on social just from a brand awareness ad. Go back to your website once. Go back to your website two weeks later. Go back to your website three weeks later. And then fill out a contact form 60 to 90 days later. And they first saw you on social media. But everyone just focuses on that last click. And where did they find me last? Where did they directly come from in order to fill out my contact form. But they, don't forget about social media, people. We're, we're, we're really, 90 days that's back.
1: Really <laughs> that's really interesting. That's Chell, because for years we've been hearing and saying the website is the new model home. And what you're saying here is social media is the new first impression. Yeah. So people are seeing you know, the brand first on social media, then they're going to the website. Um, so really having a marketing message and having um, all of that start with social media is so important because that is that first impression. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. <laughs> and I, just, to, just to add on to that, though, when we're looking, so Chelsea is referring to the time lag report that's in Google Analytics. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is while that's great information and we look at that, it actually doesn't even paint the full picture of how far back it goes because Google Google Analytics only lets us do a look back worth of 90 days. So when we put our date range in of the past 30 days and then we do a look back of 90 days, it's only actually picking up the conversions and that last 90 days worth of data. So. Google Analytics doesn't have the ability to go back any further, um, or at least in the the unless you're paying six figures for a version of uh, Google Analytics 360, um, but in the free version that 99.9 percent of the population uses, you can only look back 90 days, and so we can't even really tell how far back that journey starts, um, but we know that it starts a, f- a ways back before they get to bottom of funnel, and this I, I relate this like it goes all the way back to what we used to now, what we call traditional marketing, which I want to abolish that term is like, we used to throw up signs and billboards all the time. And we just stated that they worked because people drove, you know, you look at traffic counts like, okay, this, this billboard gets 300,000 eyeballs on it a day coming down this road. And like, okay, well it works. We just make this assumption that it works but now we've switched into this into much more of the uh, actual measurement side of things and this is where we've taken the conversation of all right what was the last place that they clicked Because if we looked at the last place that they clicked and we applied that same mentality across all our marketing sources, we would be dumping 100% of our money into signage because that's where when they actually walk in the door, that's where they tell us that they found us was the sign. It was because it was the last thing they saw at the community entrance before they turned in. So how'd you find us? Signs. Sure. But they're not thinking about six to eight months ago when they first interacted with your brand. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, and years ago, I remember when builders were doing handwritten, uh, you know, traffic cards. They took signage off just so people didn't have the option to put signage or drive by, because every single buyer is going to say, "I was driving by." And it doesn't mean that signage can't be valuable, but when we're we're looking at a cost evaluation, it is definitely easier to measure the results of social media and digital marketing when you are able to see the cost and then look at it with the clicks and the actual sales.
0: Yeah. All right. I've got got another question for you guys. Um, So, in the in line with Facebook changes, and we'll get to some of the other platforms individually as well, but along, along, along the lines of Facebook changes, we even just saw that they're, they're making a change on physical ad size constraints. So how many lines of copy, how large, or I should say long, how tall that particular uh, creative can be. Um, let's talk about that a little bit and how that affects even some of the most recent ads and how some of the changes we've seen in the wild, so to speak.
2: Yeah. So they've, they've, uh, cut back, cut back on our targeting. They cut back on our (laughs) pictures. They cut back on our videos. They cut back on our text. there. This is the great hack. If ever I saw one. Um, No, it just allows us to become more creative and more direct with our messaging. And we have to really see, maybe with A-B testing sometimes, that's really helped us in the past figure out, okay, what works best, video or a collage of pictures? What do people resonate with more? So we'll do some A-B testing. Um, A lot of times people really just like to the down and dirty, they like to see where you are, how much your homes are, what you're building, mm-hmm. and that's what we'll put in that first sentence just to grab people's attention because also with this age range and this broad targeting, if you put your price up there, then people will be like, okay, that's out of my price range or location, that's out of my location. I am i don't want to move there, um, but yeah, it's just getting down to the message a little bit quicker, and
1: more direct. Something that I find really funny is how many people declare themselves social media experts. And I will get resumes all the time of people right out of school, and it literally says on their resume they are a social media expert. And I think that that is something that builders need to be aware of because all these changes, when I hear you guys talking about all these changes, I know that you are spending your entire day learning about these changes learning about you know how to implement them from a marketing standpoint so I'm almost offended at these <laughs> um, you know at these resumes that where these people right out of college are declaring themselves experts because it really is a skill set that you need to be working on every single day you need to be learning about these changes and implementing them and I think that uh, builders in general take that for granted they think you know they're their cousins, nephews, neighbors, you know, fresh out of school kid can manage their social media and they're underestimating. This is the first impression. And that to be a social media expert, you have to have all this information. Just because you can post a picture
2: doesn't mean you should.
0: I think the correlation to that, Molly, is, oh, well, they're young, right? Air quotes. They're young and uh, they know how to use social media. So I'll just hire them and they'll do, they'll do my social media and it'll be great. But the problem, like you just said, Chelsea, just cause you can doesn't mean you should also just because you can post organic things, just because you're good at taking pictures of your food um, or great <laughs> or great selfies. Vicky. All right. Now, Vicky is an actual influencer. She does, uh, but uh, you know, but the difference is that's very different than running ads Because that's very, that's much more scientific. That's much more true marketing because you're matching results with copy and creative and the right audience and, and looking at analytics. Like that's a very much more of a marketing approach than just a general, I know how to use social media, right?
3: Exactly. It's a lot like just because you know how to search for something in Google doesn't mean you know how to advertise on Google. Right. Nope. We, with all,
2: with these ad change sizes, I looked it up. I read the article, thought about it. But then also the first thing I did was went to our creative team here at group two. And I said, okay, here are the ad change sizes because just because I can make an advertisement on Facebook and serve it to a lot of people doesn't mean that I can make the creative (laughs) that goes in it sometimes and doesn't mean I know particularly about ratios of sizing and so I went to the creative team and I said, hey, okay, what does this mean for the actual pictures and videos that go into the ad? Um, how can we make that more engaging now that they've made it smaller? So yeah. you really have to talk to the experts to figure out what to do.
0: Agreed. and And that ties into data-driven creative right And if this is the first episode you're listening to of our podcast go rewind a little bit and go back to episode one where we talk about data-driven creative and what that means and how running variations of copying creative against your actual analytics is really important to make sure that you're getting in front of the right people so on that note we're talking about the ad constraints changes and the real you know the well what facebook is saying the real reason they're they're wanting to do this is to make it easier on the advertiser um to push that same ad across multiple platforms i.e. the gram instagram <laughs> see I, i'm hip i'm hip uh I, mean,
1: I didn't know people call it the gram i thought it was still insta or ig ig neither <laughs> oh, of us are hip
0: <laughs> no no dan dan oh, was funny the, uh, the other day Dan was talking to me and he said uh, he responded with something and he said, Oh, bet. And <laughs> and then he instantly corrected himself and said, Oh my bad. I meant to say, cool, that's good. And I said, <laughs> You don't think I know what bet means? I, and then I, I don't responded with I responded
4: with worry. So next episode is about you slang, so we'll get you guys started. <laughs> no worries.
0: Go to Urban Diction. No, wait, don't go to Urban no. Dictionary. That is the wrong place to go to look up anything. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So Facebook says ad constraints. They want to make it easier, aka really they want to make it make more money by being able to push all ad sets across both platforms, both platforms being Facebook and Instagram, right? So they're trying to make sure that if you create an ad to spend money in Facebook, that they can also push that same ad into Instagram, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's great for us because you can push it out through Facebook and Instagram. Um, I didn't, honestly, I didn't really see a huge problem with it before because we had been running collection ads through Facebook and Instagram before. Um, It did cut off like a couple of the squares on Instagram, but it didn't really, from what we saw, it didn't affect the actual performance of it so i am interested to see i think the new ad size is rolling out this month um i'm interested to see if ads if it starts driving more traffic from instagram over to the website and we start seeing a lot more clicks from instagram back through the builder's website because we saw some before but that was also when things were ads were a little bit geared more towards Facebook, um, but now that Instagram is like enormous um, and they're catering towards Instagram like you just said, I want to see how how the clicks back to the website go because that's that's what it comes down to is you can get a million likes and I don't know if we're getting to this in a couple minutes. But you could get a million likes on an ad, but if no one's clicking through to your website and no one's engaging on your website, what does it matter? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Perfect segue yeah. into do that on purpose. What, that's right. That's right. What is we talk about we we talk about this internally all the time and it's like the vanity metrics falling into the like trap. Yeah. Right. Like we I know that's near and dear to your all's heart, so let's talk mm-hmm. about that for a bit.
2: I am so <laughs> proud of Instagram, honestly extremely, extremely proud of Instagram from a moral and a professional standpoint that they are breaking out and they are testing it across a couple of, uh, areas and co- different countries right now, but they are taking away likes. You cannot see how many people liked a photo anymore on Instagram. You might still be able to see it, but they're beta testing it right now. And I I think it's fantastic because like you said they're they're taking away the vanity of it. And how many times do we sit there and say, "Oh my god, that photo got 3,000 likes. Why can't my photo get 3,000 likes?" That photo could have gotten 3,000 likes and like I just said no one went to their website. No one cared. But people are generally going to take one action on something. And if it's liking it, they're going to like it. But if it's clicking through to your website, that's what you want. That's the action that you want. That's the like, and I'm doing air quotes. If this is a podcast, so you obviously can't see me, right. but that's the like that you want. You want them to click through to your website. That's the one hit that you want on your photo. And I'm, I'm so happy with this change.
3: Great. good yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people or companies actually were, um, before this is like an old trick people would get like the like bots and they would have those <laughs> like buy likes basically buy followers buy likes and it's like it's all fake like it's not real none of it's real so that's not effective marketing at the in the end
4: like you said yep. met- it's a vanity yeah. metric. there you know what we really want to see is those link clicks because yeah. that's when they actually explore what your brand is or products you sell so that's a main goal we're trying to push that group to
3: yeah a lot of people also were afraid of of posting, or people are less likely to post because they think about the like. How many likes am I going to get? So, the 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 trend was shifting more towards stories because you can't see like who's liked it. You can you as a person can see who's viewed it, but like nobody else can see who liked it or how many likes it had. So it's like content that you want to post, but you're not afraid of hitting that certain like goal and yeah it's the same thing for brands you don't have to be afraid i want to of talk
1: anything. more about stories because i think that's really important yeah. how are builders using stories how are builders using video content in general i know there have been a lot of shifts um in the past year so what does that look like for you guys
3: definitely stories are great for like open houses or just quick updates it's um what is the word ethereal or ephemeral content or something it only lasts 24 <laughs> <laughs> sorry no, <laughs> it only lasts 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about it being permanent. Um, and it's a great way to send out something that's like a real time update. So like I said, open houses, are like you're driving by a construction site and people are doing stuff and the construction workers are building and it's just cool content to share. and It can be very interactive. Like there are stickers, there are polls, you can have a countdown. Um, it's just really, it's really fun. I think it is. stories are really fun to share.
1: Yeah, I get the impression that a lot of builders, just like they originally undervalued social media in general, they undervalue stories because they think of it as video content. And they're thinking, oh, if I'm going to invest the time to create this content, I don't want it to go away. When in fact, it it is a more casual approach to show really who you are. And it just becomes a part of your day-to-day interaction. And it's really valuable. So I would think that builders should be using stories more than they are currently. Yeah, definitely,
2: and your stories don't have to go away, you can do a whole story, you could do a bunch of stories, like 20 stories in a row, about an open house that you had, going through each different room, and showing cool little features of all the different rooms, and then you can save that as a highlight, and it can live on your Instagram, you can delete it whenever you want, if you, if that house sells, but you can, keep those stories, those fun stories with the gifts and, and the polls, and you can keep that as a highlight and people can go and visit it whenever they want.
0: Absolutely.
1: I love that. And it's also when you're buying from people, you want to really humanize the buying experience. So what's, what these stories does is it gives you an opportunity to have a, to really do branding and show the people that make up the team. So it humanizes the entire experience. So when we're working with builders, do we typically recommend that someone on their side is in charge of stories or is it all the sales teams? How, do, how does that usually get handled internally for the boots on the ground? Like who is taking this content for the stories? We definitely recommend that
2: there is at least one person on the ground that can take those videos, take those stories. Again, keep in mind what we were saying earlier about just because someone can post a picture doesn't mean they should, but sit with your team and say, who is the most comfortable with social media and who thinks they really understand it and and know how to frame a picture and frame a video and not do like, you can't see me, but I'm like half in half out (laughs) of the screen and cut someone off or cut a house off. We have one builder that hired a social media intern for the summer. And all she does is she goes around and she makes some stories. She takes videos, she sends them to us. She works directly with us and, but she's our on-site person and, she's a blast she's having so much fun with it she even records videos in front of homes and says hey we have an open house and because she's so young and energetic it's a really engaging video and she says hey come out to this open house this weekend and since she's been doing that they have had i think it was last weekend they had i think it was three or four people come up to them directly and not say hey i came from signage Mm -hmm. they said hey i came from that video on facebook it looked like fun and yeah. that was four different people that walked through the door of this open house that directly said they came from Facebook. So video content can be that's very awesome. engaging.
4: And if you are uncomfortable with shooting video yeah. content, guess what? We do have a YouTube video <laughs> just about. it. So look for that in the show notes.
0: If you feel uncomfortable with yourself being on camera, just get over it and get on camera.
4: <laughs> that's it. That's it.
3: The main advice
0: there. That's right. Just get over it and get on camera. If you don't like the way you look or that you don't like the way that you sound on video, uh sorry, that's just the way you look and that's just the it's way you all sound all in
2: your head. They're <laughs> yeah. vanity metrics. That's right. It's all vanity. It's all vanity.
0: All right. All right. As we're as we're getting close to time, um, what something else that you guys had? I know you had a list of stuff that you wanted to go over today. Um, what are some other things that you wanted to hit on? Best practices, changes, things that people need to know.
2: Um, so we talked about We talked about the, you guys talked about the great hack. Yep. We had a whole internal discussion here. It was, it was so engaging. Absolutely loved talking about that. Uh, We talked about the ad targeting and those changes. We talked about the Instagram likes. I did want to touch on one thing about the Instagram likes again, but this goes a little further into Facebook also, but it's really about, I think Vicky mentioned this a couple minutes ago. But I hope that taking these likes away from Instagram, and this is like my final closure, my hope for builders is that they become more comfortable getting on the camera now. And they become more comfortable just sharing anything with us and all types of different content. Because I know we talk to so many builders and because they're not on social media every day and because they just know a couple of the basics, they say, oh, well, how many likes did that photo get? How many likes? And we say that's not, we try and convey that that's not what we really care about. But I think Instagram making this move shows that that's not the most important factor. And I hope if you're listening to this podcast, what you learn from that is that just be yourself, be yourself, be silly, get in front of the camera, show that there's a personal side show construction, show behind the scenes, show the things that aren't just picture-perfect staged homes photographed by a professional, because that's what we want more of on social media. We want that real content, that real-time content. And that's what's most engaging, because people are sick of seeing the fake people on the beach lying. Everyone knows that stuff is sponsored and everyone's sick of it. They want to see real stuff. And yeah, I just, uh, social media is changing. I'm so excited to see where it goes.
1: Chell, with that, yeah. um, it is still important for builders to stay on brand. So oh, I think absolutely. what you're saying is obviously be real and have your personality. But I know we do have uh, social media Guidelines yeah. that we've shared with builders. So you mentioned a builder earlier who brought in an intern. You know, you're not going to just bring in an intern and say, "Good luck with my social media." No. You need to give them some resources. You need to make sure that they understand who you are, who your audience is, and really empower them to be successful. So yeah. if we can share something of uh, guidelines in the show notes, I think that would be really helpful to our listeners.
2: Yeah, like that intern sits in on the
1: sales meetings and they sit
2: in to learn about the entire sales process. They're not just focusing on
1: posting a picture or posting a video. That's perfect because all that matters is that we're selling homes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And actually, I think that that's almost an entire episode of how we talk about sales and marketing integration and the partnership and making sure all of that works well and runs well together seamless because it is sales and marketing is the lifeblood lifeline of a home building company or any company really. So awesome. Okay. Well, we are out of time for today. So we're going to, we're going to pause. And then what's going to happen is we're going to continue to bring the social corner. We're going to bring them out of their corners and into the spotlight on the podcast. And we're going to continue testing video because hopefully if we're videoing this and hopefully it works Uh, and we're going to keep, keep pushing this out there, keep bringing the social corner in and uh, bringing everybody up to speed on all things social and what's happening. So really thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a blast you guys bring a ton of knowledge and inspiration to us and to our all the listeners out there
3: (laughs) thank you you guys
1: so much to our social corner. We loved having you on today. Chelsea, Dan, Vicki, you guys are awesome. We're looking forward to having you on future episodes and learning about the changes with social media and what you're doing every day. And we have so much to learn from you.
0: Absolutely. And guys, as you're listening uh, to this, make sure we're going to continue to bring our social corner back. So we'd love to hear from you. What are some of the things that you want to hear about specifically? Get your questions in. Join our Building Perspective Facebook group page and get your questions in. And we'll bring our team in and we'll we'll tackle those questions um, every show. And and, and we want to hear about what you want to hear about. And we want to answer those some of those tough, tough questions you might have. So. But all right, guys, well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you all for joining us on another episode of Building Perspective. And just remember, you can join the conversation with us online on our Facebook group, Building Perspective, or you can ask questions and get them answered right here on the show.
1: It's been fun building perspective together, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Have a great week.